You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm going to ask you if you would to turn with me to John chapter 19. We're going to begin there. Verse 25, John 19, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, so we know it's John, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Doesn't it seem a bit odd that he who stated clearly that he was living water now says, I thirst? Isn't it strange that he who said, come unto me and drink to the Samaritan woman now says, I thirst. It seems odd to me that we find Jesus in this human condition after saying so much about who he is as this living water. But now on the cross, enduring what he has endured, these words, I thirst. Jesus, the son of God, needed water. He had already experienced a very long and sleepless night. He had experienced the arrest in the garden and all that that meant. He had gone through the mock trial, the beating, the crown of thorns, and the nails. He had experienced all of that. And we get to see in all of that suffering the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 53. If you want to go there with me or it will be on the wall. Isaiah 53, 3, Isaiah said he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised For our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before our shearers is dumb, so, so he opened not his mouth. And we get to see the fulfillment of all that Isaiah saw. All that Isaiah was a witness to by the Holy Spirit, we now get to see by the death on the cross. Again, we should find that strangely odd when we consider how quick and how merciful the death was of every lamb that was sacrificed in the Old Testament. We see a disconnect here, and we need to answer this disconnect. What's going on here that's different than anywhere else? Because we get to see all the way back in Genesis when God killed an animal to provide a covering 
for, Ad, for Adam and Eve's sin. They tried to do it with plants. That was their self-effort and was inadequate. So God killed an animal. So we get the first glimpse that the covering for our sin would have to be at the requirement of blood. We learn later on that that would be a lamb. We learn later on in the Old Testament that that lamb would be a person. So when we read, we get to follow this theme of the lamb all the way through the scripture until we come to this point. But something changes here because the lamb that was killed in the Old Testament is a sacrifice. Home by home was an animal that was deeply cared for. As a matter of fact, the animal had to be brought into the family's home to create an intimacy with this animal so that the sacrifice wouldn't be something casual. It would be almost like sacrificing a pet that you had loved. But the, but the animal never at any time had to suffer. Something changed with this lamb. Again, every time, merciful. Why does this lamb have to suffer? That's the question this morning. Why does this lamb have to suffer? We really, truly need that answer. Because we will deeply miss something if we don't know the answer to this question. Why did this lamb have to suffer? If you want to follow in your Bibles, we're going to Hebrews chapter 2. I'll begin reading in verse 10, then I'm going to jump to verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. To make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to, to succor or help or bring aid to them that are tempted. So we begin to get a glimpse at why the suffering. I can hear it, I get to hear that in kind of lofty terms, but I want to bring it down so that I can actually understand what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me that Jesus suffered? We need, we need to get to it. Through the history of the church, and we all know this, I've experienced this all my life. Through the history of the church, there has been much confusion about this suffering Savior and why the suffering. The most common perspective that we, we hear taught is that the reason for so much suffering is to remind us to always remember and be saddened by what our sin did. That's kind of the focus. To, to say to you and I, look at what your sin did. Look at the high cost he had to pay. Look at all the suffering that your sin caused. And that has been a theme. As a matter of fact, many of the pictures of the art and the history we've seen has is, is been about sharing that position looking at this suffering Savior so that we could stand at the foot of the cross and know that it was my sin that put him there. I know it may sound strange, but it was not my sin that put him there. He died for it. He went there willingly. Nothing could put him there. He went there 
on his own. This perspective was helpful, has always been helpful because we, we, love, we love to think that God uses guilt because it's such a powerful tool. We think he can, he'll make us feel guilty. Well, I will assure you that's not the heart of the Father that I know. We think he's trying to create enough shame, enough regret so that we won't ever sin again. That's kind of been the message. Look at what it did. Don't sin anymore. When I consider the perspective and I step back a little bit and look at the heart of the father that I, that I now know, the father that loves us, the father that, that sent, sent his son to die for us, the ultimate love, you know, behold again what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we could be called the children of God. Behold what manner of love that actually is. I, I, I have to question whether that was the purpose of the suffering. Yes, yes, we should never forget. I don't want to make light of that. I, we should never forget what price he paid and what suffering there was in the sacrifice. But there is so much for us beyond that point. As I don't believe that God's primary objective in the suffering of his son was to stir emotions of sadness in, in us when we look at it and consider it. In a few minutes, we're going to come to these tables and participate in the Lord's Supper. Most of us, much of what has been taught us and much of what is often stressed in this ordinance is to consider his suffering. We're going to hold up his blood and we're going to hold up his body that was broken. He reminds us of that. I'm not going to take away from it. But we're often reminded to remember the suffering. I believe... His primary objective in the suffering, listen carefully to this, because this is where it connects with us. This is where it should hit your heart. If if your heart is open this morning, if you came here with your spirit ready to receive, this this should hit, this should come in and and penetrate. His primary objective in suffering is that we might be set free and completely restored from our suffering. I want us to get this. Victoria, do you mind if I use you as an example? I can tell you this morning, after visiting with Victoria, it's been just over a year since from the Lyme disease that she had contracted that started this autoimmune disease called Miller-Fisher. Extreme, extreme disease. And she is the one of a very few cases now that, that it is, what's the word? It's chronic. And they hadn't really seen that before. Which means she will be in, in possibly in some form of treatment for a long period of time. But I want you to recognize something in her. I want you to recognize that there's not a single thing that she suffered that Jesus didn't suffer. Did you ever feel alone in it? Yeah. Did you ever have questions in it? Yeah. Did sometimes it feel dark? Yeah. Why did Jesus need to suffer so that Victoria would know 
that there's victory on the other side of suffering. We need to know, not maybe, we need to know that our suffering has also been defeated, not just our sin, but my suffering has victory on the other side of it. I tell you what, I can't stress that enough because I I understand already what you've been through. I understand already what some of us are facing in some points down in the future. We know those days from behind us, but we also realistically know that there are days in front of us. But what can, how can I live now knowing that that's in front of me? Because Jesus suffered and through the suffering, we, he connects with us so that I can know there's not everything, anything I ever experienced that he didn't experience as well, but there's victory in it. There's victory over it. There's victory on the other side of it. You take the suffering away and we won't know this. Could he have just died as the lambs did in the Old Testament to provide a redemption for our sin? Yes, he could have. But the suffering was necessary because God knew that in our lives there would be dark moments. There would be sadness. There would be grief. There would be brokenness. But he wanted to tell us that there's not a single place in your struggle where I haven't been and I want you to know that there's victory in it, over it, and on the other side of it. That should stir something in us to say, thank you, God, that you understand me. Thank you, God, that you came to know me, that you came to experience what I experienced, and you overcame it. Was there loneliness in his life? Imagine, imagine him in so many moments, but especially in the garden. Hunger? Yes, in the wilderness. Homelessness? Yes, he had no place to lay his head. Rejection? even from his hometown, weariness, even at his own disciples, judgment and accusation. He was called many times the prince of devils, threats as they prepared to kill him. What possible situation have you experienced that he did not carry within those three and a half years? He understands thirst. He understands hunger. He understands weariness. He understands being misunderstood. He understands being mocked. He understands being rejected. He understands being doubted. He understands being forgotten. He understands being lied about. So the message of the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his giving us of his spirit overcame more than our sin. It overcame our thirst. It overcame our hunger our weariness, our being alone, our frustration, our being misunderstood, our rejection, our doubt, our alienation, our, the lies that have been told about us. He overcame those as well. His victory now applied to my life because he understood me and he wanted us to see it. In such a, in such a powerful way, the cross not only made us free from sin, It made us free and gave us the victory over suffering. My mind just resonates with the story that I I heard Corey Ten Boom share years ago before she passed away. She and her sister Julie were in a prisoner of war camp, Robinsbrook. And they were on their way back to the barracks and she sees this German guard beating this woman to death. 
And Julie says, Corey, hurry, pray. And Corey begins to pray for the woman, and Julie says, no, 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 pray for him. What an awful life he must have lived that could bring him to the place where he would do this. You see, God has already overcome the suffering. He's desperate for those who do not know, for those who have not believed, for those who have not heard, because our suffering has been overcome. Isn't that good news? Isn't it remarkable news that my suffering has been defeated? Easter is a day of new beginnings. This is a day when we can realize a victory over the most powerful things that have ensnared us. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where the, I don't know where the darkness is. I don't know where the questions are. I don't know that. But I can tell you this is the day when we can understand that he was a man of sorrows, as Isaiah said. But we can also say, what a Savior. Not only did he cancel my sin debt, he overcame my suffering. That's a little bit overwhelming. That's a little bit too big for me to completely take in, to recognize that the hope that I now have after the things that have happened in my life is because he knew me. He understood me. And he didn't want to leave me bound in yesterday's brokenness. He wanted me to know there is no suffering that hasn't already been overwhelmed. As I pray, I'm going to ask the praise team to come because we're going to stand in just a minute. And we're going to sing this song, Man of Sorrows. When we finish, we're going to come to these tables and participate in the Lord's Supper. And I will give some instruction about that as we, as we get to that point. But let's, let's go ahead and stand as I pray. Get the praise team to come onto the stage. Lord, thank you this morning for giving the clarity about why you suffered. Why Isaiah would call you a man of sorrow, rejected, despised, and all the things that he said. Because we have experienced those things. We have felt rejection. We have felt despised. We have felt alone. We have felt forgotten. And now we know that the Son of God walked where we walked experienced what we have experienced and gained victory over it so that everyone sitting here can know today that not only am I free from my sin but I can have victory as Paul said that where I am weak there you may be strong I have victory over my weakness victory over the struggle and victory over the sorrow. Thank you, God. What a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.